Hey, it's Andrew. Welcome to another episode of Agency Journeys. So excited to have you here this week. Today, we're bringing you a conversation between Gray and Ryan Crozier. Ryan's the CEO of Agency Boone, and in this episode, he does a deep dive into their website design process and also shares four tools that you may not have heard about yet that you can use to streamline some of your workflows. So really fun conversation between Gray and Ryan here. I love the background that he went into about what drove him into business and kind of his nonprofit work in addition to agency ownership. So enjoy the episode. Without further ado, here we go. All right. Welcome to Agency Journey. I've got Ryan Crozier from Agency Boone. On with me, Ryan, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Nice thanks, to be here, Greg. Yeah, th- thanks for being here. Did I say your last name right? I should have clarified that. Oh, no, you made me sound way fancier than I am. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from the Midwest, so it's just Crozier. Crozier, there you go. Crozier. Crozier. We go all over the place. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on. So, Agency Boone, let's, I want to go uh, in medias race here, and let's start with where, the, where things are today. And then I want to go back into the history a little bit. Uh, but if you had to give me kind of the quick 30 second summary of agency Boone as it stands today, which is probably a challenge, um, just kind of share that so that we get the context of where things are. Yeah, we're, we're a creative agency based in Bucharest, Romania, but our team is really all over the place. Um, we have a lot of remote workers here in Romania. We also have uh, global team members, uh, Pakistan, Philippines, and then we have a whole team in the United States. Our uh, primary customers are our U.S.-based uh, small businesses, small, medium-sized businesses, nonprofits, like probably many agencies listening. Um, and uh, so we're working in the U.S. with clients, but our team is based here in Romania. Uh, primarily WordPress websites, some, some HubSpot websites, um, and with a focus on helping people implement a story brand framework onto their websites. Um, and so that's, that's us generally. And then we also have a division of uh, team members that are focused on providing Salesforce uh, support for Salesforce consultancies also based in the U.S. So where did the story brand, and I want to go a little deeper on that later, but at what point did story brand get integrated into the way that, because my understanding is you guys were doing web first and then story brand came as a piece later sure. on. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I tapped into StoryBrand very early on before it was, before the book was out, before really, back when it was just a, a, a small marketing workshops happening in Nashville. Mm-hmm. One of our clients who was out on the West Coast was like, man, this, I went to the StoryBrand thing. You really need to go. It's really good, useful information. You should check it out. So I went down there simply to check it out for ourselves. I mean, it was not, at this point, there was no, how do you take this and serve clients with it? It was more use this for yourself. And so I went down there just to learn the framework. And I realized at the end of it, the big CTA, right at the end of the workshop is you need to go change your website. And so I like, I went up actually afterwards and, and told Donald Miller, I was like, you should be selling websites. <laughs> and, and I'm like, we have the fulfillment, you know, uh, and, and he's much smarter than me because he had a whole different model business model that, that didn't get them into the business of selling websites, but instead, certifying and training people to help others uh, build websites, which is just brilliant. So um, I, I really respect Donald Miller and, and what they've done with StoryBrand. It's been, uh, we've weaved it in to be a key part of our journey. Okay. When you're, uh, how often are you guys doing dev only projects where someone comes to you with a design and you're just coding it out versus you get to be involved in the strategy and actually lead them through the StoryBrand process too? So 
where we've been, we do the design. So this is one of our not so secret secret sauce mm. is we have great designers on our team. Whereas most quote unquote outsource shops are literally just send us the PSDs and let us build something. Right. We actually say, and what StoryBrand enabled us to do is work with StoryBrand guides and copywriters and say, you send us the wireframe and content and let us kick in with design and dev. And so that's been a huge help for us. So, and what's been able us to serve our partners well, because I say a lot of people can build a website, right? Technically, it's a whole nother ballgame when you are able to also bring great, fresh design. And I, my, our design team, I've always been so proud of them. I, I mean, I have to subtly in nice ways have had to tell agency owners in the past, like, listen, our, our designer's probably better than your in-house designer, or at least the same. Don't think of it as lesser quality. Um, so we actually, what's interesting, we worked with a big agency one time. They're doing big international global nonprofits and they, they farmed the design out to us. Hmm. So, the, and then they would take on the development. So like we have development, but we just have poor designers. So they would send us wireframes and we would send back phenomenal designs. Um, so yeah, it's it, story brand has just been a blessing for us and yeah. I've seen what it's done for our customers too. That makes sense. All right, I'm gonna put you on the spot. You can decline to answer this, but I'm, I'm gonna do it anyway. So we need to overhaul our website at Zenpilot. It's super light on uh, content about what we're currently doing right now. There's a ton of educational content on it. Yep. Um, and we need to go through the story brand framework. Like we need, we need to build this correct to share the story. So if we, were, if we work with you guys and you know, we've got, we don't have a ton of products that we sell. We're pretty focused on the agency operational side and this ClickUp for Agencies program, specifically kind of using ClickUp as our Trojan horse into fixing agencies processes and then helping their team all get aligned on the, on the same uh, wavelength. So if we work together, I guess my two questions are, what's an average project length for a services type business like this? And then ballpark pricing or what that price range might look like if we go kind of soup to nuts of help us build the strategy do the full design, do the implementation, whether it's WordPress or HubSpot. Yeah, that's great. Um, so we work, like I said, we work closely with a number of story brand certified guides. I'm also one of them, but I'm not a copywriter. The, the bread and butter of a guide is actually a copywriter. Now there's, there's over 500 story brand guides in, in the marketplace now, certified, trained. And the ones that are copywriters to me have a heads up advantage or it's who, if I was a customer, who I would want to hire. Because it, there is a wordsmithing that needs done. Um, and, and so one of the, we worked with a number of guides, but we have kind of myself and, and another one that we consider in-house. And her name is Angie Schultz. Phenomenal copywriter. And she's, she's actually a little known secret. So when StoryBrand launched the guide program, they used to be called StoryBrand Copywriters first. And then it became and guides. So Angie has a dual certification in both copywriting and, and guide. Um, so Angie's pricing, it, it really depends on ranges. She has obviously got some coaching. I, I think for you guys, you don't need somebody to come in and write a whole brand script. The first thought would be, man, you guys should, obviously probably have read the book or watch or wa get on business made simple university, watch the videos, S scratch out your own brand script and then get some coaching calls with her where she can help speak into it and craft it because the brand script is really the, I say it's the palette <laughs> that the rest of the house is painted right. on and, and with, and so I would, uh, you'd be looking at probably, I'd say 2,500 bucks to get a brand script out the door, another 2,500 to get a homepage copy. 
Um, this is, this is the thing with story brand, right? Is it changed the copywriters ballgame? Cause most agencies listening are like $2,500 for a home page copy. What the heck? Cause most of them are going and farming it out on some right. <laughs> website where they're just getting filler content basically. Um, and story brand just really changed that. So, um, full in, I didn't see how many pages your website is, but you know, if it's a typical five, seven page design development, all the copy is handled for you by the copywriter, Angie, uh, I'm gonna guess you're looking at probably close to between 10 and 15,000. Yeah. Something like that. So obviously our pricing is probably a lower end than on than most other agencies. We, yep. we try to be a little lower priced. We try to be about the same, but a little bit lower. That's right. our goal. So our average web builds between five to 10,000 for a simple okay. uh, five, six page site. Um, but they're, they're really not, we're using, we're utilizing the Divi framework. Um, but we're not, it doesn't look like a Divi site when it's done. Yeah. Let's say it that way. Cause you can pull up a Divi site and you're like Divi. Uh, and, and that's not us. Uh, our team, our designers lo- develop live in Divi. They're building it out, something fresh. Uh, and I actually have to encourage them, please you reutilize sections. You put so much effort and energy. Let's put that in a library and use in the future. But they, they love creating new stuff, man. Right, right. That makes sense. So how long, uh, normal project, 5 to 10K, what's rough timeline normally? You know, it's one of those, it's tough. So much of it is, you know, so much of it's on the client at the end of the day, getting feedback on things. But I see it typically where we plan for two to three months. Okay. From start to end. <clears throat> Makes I mean, sense. obviously we could all technically it could be knocked out in, in two weeks or less, right. but it ends up being uh, longer. Um, so yeah, two to three months, 10 to 15 K something like that. And outside of story brand consultants or guides, um, are you working with any other agencies? Do you have other agency relationships, either white label or on a partnership basis, referral partners? We do have a few. Yep. Um, that's actually the, the, our roots are, was simply outsourcing. That's kind of how we got started. It was just, Hey, we have a team of great talent and people here in Romania. You're an agency, you have clients. How can we help partner with you? So that's the root of our name, actually agency boon. Boon is an English word that means a timely gift or blessing. Uh, similar to bon voyage, like, you know, it's, it's good. It also is the pronunciation of the word good in Romanian. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to be good agency, but in, in, in English, it comes across as we are a blessing or a gift to agencies. And that was our start. Um, so we do have a number of agencies and partners we still work with that send, um, we're, we're one of those where we've, we've kind of built it over time. And so you have legacy partners that you no longer offer the same thing. So we have a number uh, that are, are just reach out to us on an hourly basis, a small monthly retainer that pre-buy a, a block of hours and we are their developers and they, we come in and solve yeah. problems for them. Then we have, uh, and what we're doing offering now is dedicated team members. So we, we say basically, sure, you can hire somebody in San Francisco and you're going to drop whatever you're going to drop for a developer. <laughs> Good luck retaining them over, over about 12 to 18 months. Um, and, or you can hire a, a developer in Romania. He works for us. And so there's a, there's a loyalty factor and there's a quality increase because he's not just a random freelancer that's going to drop you for an extra five bucks an hour from the, when another agency comes knocking. He's part of your team. So I said, they, they, our team will wear our t-shirts, but they'll wear your hat. <laughs> and and, and that's, we, we facilitate that. So we have a number of what we call dedicated uh, team members. 
Um, and that's a great partnership model because they get a great team member and uh, we have a consistent income uh, off of that. Um, and, and everybody's cool with it at the end of the day because our, our mission is so social. We, we, I didn't get in business to make money. I've actually, I'm very poor at that. I've given it away a lot and I'm learning that money in and of itself uh, is needed to retain in the business to grow the business. I, I'm, I have a pastoral degree, Gray. I, I don't, uh, I've had to read the business books. Let's right. say it that way. Uh, and so, you know, we, we do love partnering with agencies, especially on the dedicated model um, or if in for one, if, you know, one person, but ideally where we want to go is agencies that go, Hey, I actually want to scale with a team in Romania. I want to have a, a, a strategist in the States or, or I'm the strategist. I want to knock out a wireframe, maybe have a local copywriter do their part. And I want to send off and have a factory to be able to build high quality websites with a trusted partner that I know is going to have my back when things get difficult and inevitably they do. And so, yeah, we've, we've, we love partnering with agencies. Um, we just found that it was hard to find agencies that had consistent pipelines for us. So we were the ebbs and flows. We were when things were, you know, they needed an over, we were their overflow and you can't build a business or, or I've struggled to build a business on overflow. And so when things were difficult, we ended up having to move more directly to customers Right. Um, which meant we had to add more, te had add team members in the States to actually, to guide the customers better. Um, and, uh, and that's what we've been doing. Yeah, that makes sense. I've seen that struggle a number of times with agencies where it is tough to build when you're based off the backs of, especially small, the smaller the firm, typically the, you know, the uh, more frequent the ups and downs and it's a, it's a bumpier ride. So I want to get into your kind of hinting at um, the background to the business, which I do want to talk about. And I'd like to go there next, but real quickly before that. So there's a strong case that, that um, to be made here for social entrepreneurship and what this looks like and our, like some um, the motivation for running a business like this outside of purely the PNL. But to an agency who's looking at hiring a dedicated developer or something to make the business case um, if I had to say it back to you, the purely the business case outside of the social impact of what you're doing is hey, you've got somebody who is pre-vetted, who's going to be a developer, who's going to give you maybe a hundred percent, maybe 90%, maybe 110% of what you would get. Um, if you, if you hired somebody locally or hired someone um, wherever else, but in addition to that, there's, you're taking advantage of the GR arbitrage opportunities where you can pay someone a lower salary relative to cost of living in the U.S. or in yeah. a in a separate nation versus cost of living and the type of income that that requires in Romania. Yep, yep, that's right. And and we've a lot of our people we've we've trained up, so we can in in with a long term partnership we can help help people scale with the right team pointing in the right direction. So whatever framework systems they want, get people trained up in that ability that you know, they could come over to Romania and, and, and recruit and open an office for the larger not agencies. They do. Right. <laughs> larger groups have offices here. Romania, the IT and IT and C sector is, is probably going to be about over 20% of the GDP here in the coming years. Romania is the uh, outsourcing Valley of Europe is what a lot of the professionals call it. And so we're trying to also bring that same level of talent to 
medium, smaller, medium-sized agencies that maybe couldn't. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. They can add a great team member that's, you know, just as competent, can deliver the same quality as somebody hired in the States, but with way less hassle, to be honest, in, in many ways. I mean, yes, there's a time difference, a little bit of language, you know, accent and whatnot. But at the end of the day, that, that cost difference does matter to a lot of them. And especially as we're looking at more and more remote, I mean, obviously COVID fast forwarded all of this, but more and more, it's like, okay, do I, if, if you're across the country or if you're in a different country, man, it really don't make that much of a difference right. to me. Um, and uh, yeah, plus Romania is beautiful. So uh, some of our, I mean, a lot of our partners actually have talked about like, I'm coming there. One of them wanted to come here on their honeymoon. And I was like, don't come to Romania on your honeymoon. Like go, <laughs> go somewhere. You just can super relax, you know, yep. don't, don't come here, but come, come later. So yeah, we develop a partnership. That's really our heartbeat. Right. And I think that same business model, I've got some friends who are doing the same thing in the Philippines, friends who are doing it in a couple other um, countries as well, trying to take advantage of the same opportunity while investing in the local, um, you know, normally there's some type of tie that they have to wherever the location is that they are. And I, I do know there's people who've purely gone to where can I find the, the mo highest collection of talent at the lowest possible price. And it's purely a, a business thing, but usually there's a tie. And so that ties into your relationship to Romania, which I think started when you were a kid, right? Your parents took you, yeah, took yeah. you over there on, on trips as you were growing up. So what's, yeah, yeah. maybe you can just walk us through the genesis of like what led to the heart for Romania. Sure thing. Yeah. I, I grew up going to church uh, in, in Northern Indiana, um, but not like, like too serious, just, just enough, you know, like that kind of level. <laughs> we weren't weird or anything, <laughs> say it that way. Um, and we, my dad, after church one Sunday, I was, I was like 12 years old, 11, 12. He's like, do you want to, uh, there's this missions trip to Romania. Do you, do you want to go? And I, I, my question was, how long is the airplane ride? That's the, all that mattered to me. And, uh, and so we ended up coming to Romania on this group uh, uh, and it changed my dad's life. Um, at that time, this was 1997. Um, this was about seven years after communism ended. Um, when communism ended in Romania in 1989, uh, it was exposed that there was a close to between 50 to 100,000 orphans in state care. Um, and at that time in 1997, fast forward, I mean, imagine you're 12 or 13 and you're an orphan in a really bad conditions. Um, freedom looks like running away. And so what happened is kids started running away from state orphanages. And at that time in the, in the late 90s, there was estimates of two to 3,000 kids living on the streets and sewers of Bucharest, Romania, around the train station. And so my uh, family went, my, my, we went and volunteered with an organization that was providing a home, helping these kids get off the streets if they want into back into a, a loving, caring home environment. And so this moved my dad. Uh, my dad previously had directed a juvenile facility in the state of Indiana and worked as a probation parole officer for, for guys and gals getting out of prison. So he had a heart for helping rehabilitate people. And um, so we went back, you know, one of it was a normal one, two week trip and it just ruined my dad. Um, and he said, I don't know what it is. We got to go back. So the next summer we come back for 10 weeks. My parents took a leave of absence from their jobs and we were here 10 weeks. And I say, once you spend 10 weeks in another country, uh, you either love it or you hate it. And we loved it. Um, and so we just kept coming back. 
found opportunities we could serve and help people. One of the big things my dad got into is helping bring medical equipment for children with burns um, and get this special cream that they needed that they couldn't get here. And we were able to find it in the States and import it, um, doing a variety of things. So by the time I'm 17, um, you know, I started asking and people started asking me and I started asking, what am I going to do with my life? You know, in between your junior and senior year in high school, it's like you're supposed to fast forward, grow up 10 years and know what you're going to do with your life. And for me, I, my parents were crazy enough to let me come over to Romania by myself as a 17 year old for 10 weeks. And it was that summer that I was like, what am I going to do? And, and, and Gray, I know it sounds really crazy, but for me, like I, I, I just felt in my heart, I, I was like, I'm going to live in Romania one day. I felt God just speak to my heart and go, this is, this is where I'm going to be. And, you know, when you, when you hear one day, when you're a 17 year old, that means tomorrow. Right. And, and yet it was 10 years later. So that I came back. So, um, I, I knew Romania was, was part of my future. Um, and, uh, my wife and I moved here about eight years ago now. Um, so in between there, I, I went to Bible school, got a pastoral degree. Uh, and that's where I heard about the first time about social entrepreneurship, that you could actually do business and do good. And, and that was, man, that, that's, I know that was my heart and what I wanted. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I ended up getting into marketing there, uh, before moving to Romania a little bit and get into online marketing back in like 2006, 2008. Um, and started learning SEO, uh, that kind of stuff. And so I, I've always known enough about marketing to be dangerous. And I started building WordPress websites. I was that typical, Hey, you need a website. Like, could, could you pay me 500 bucks for it? That right. type of thing. And just buy a, uh, a template and, and help, help them spin it up. And so, yeah, that's, and I moved to Romania about eight years ago and it's been home since. And that's kind of where our journey started. So it's an awesome story. The transition to agency boom. So when you go to Romania at 27 or whatever, yep. um, was agency, like, were you already doing your own agency? Where does the agency fit in timeline? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So we, we, when we moved here, we just knew we wanted to do something. It was like, what are we going to do? I just knew I was supposed to be in Romania, right? So I didn't just even to clarify, know. you moved before knowing what was going to happen? I literally, we, this, my wife and I decided we're going to move to Romania. Because you said you weren't a crazy stuff. person growing up. And now the story is not. <laughs> I've always been a, I've always been a little bit of a pioneer. Let's say it that way. Um, and so we knew we were moving to Romania and that wasn't a question. And then people started saying, well, if you're going to, and as missionaries, yep. so there's, you're going to fundraise. You need to know what you're going to do. What are you going to go there and do? And I'm like, I don't know. God just told me I was supposed to move to Romania. And now's the time I'm doing it. And, and so people say, well, Hey, what, what is really your passion? What's what, what, what makes you, uh, pound your fist on the table with a, 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 what they call a holy anger, right? This idea of something that just fuels you. And for me, one of the, I, I thought, man, I'm an entrepreneur. Like there's so many things. <laughs> it, it's a, it depends what, what year we're talking about. Cause it's always something new for me. And I said, man, the one thing that's really stuck with me is this desire to, to prevent the issue of human trafficking. And, and I, I knew that uh, human trafficking was, is a major issue in Romania. Actually, uh, it's the number one source country for victims of human trafficking in the European Union. Um, and so there is a massive issue, and yet not a lot of people knew about it. So I knew we wanted to fight human trafficking. I knew Romania. 
And I knew I had a lot of friends here that in the nonprofit space. So I moved to Romania, my wife and I, we uh, pretty quickly ended up uh, serving uh, a nonprofit here that was helping people with drug abuse, uh, just to get our feet on the ground and, 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 and learn. And then pretty quickly, we started a nonprofit called a Liberare, which is a Romanian word that means to release. And it's a nonprofit that uh, would, was helping prevent human trafficking. And when, well, the way we wanted to help prevent it was a raise awareness because a lot of young people that are being trafficked had no idea it was even happening. They, they no potential that they, they no concept for it. So if they're going to go to Italy, say in the Western Europe and, and go West and get a good job. They have no idea that when they take fill out and hear of an ad or fill out a, hear of an opportunity to be a waitress at a bar in Italy, that they could actually be exploited through that. And so we wanted to raise awareness. So I used, and I didn't have money. So I started using my online marketing knowledge. And I'm like, well, the best way to help prevent human trafficking is like, we should be running some Facebook ads and generating awareness that way. And so my first hire, Gray, was a part-time web developer. And he was at the time, what's the, the platform? Uh, Drupal, Drupal, not WordPress. He was a Drupal guy. And I'm like, dude, you do Drupal? Like, come on, <laughs> welcome. Let me help you fast forward 10 years. And so we got him on WordPress and we just started doing digital awareness campaigns. So my first hire was a part-time web developer. Then I'm like, man, he's not very good at design. We need a designer. So we hired a design guy. Um, and so we started with this desire to help fight human trafficking. And then it finally clicked with me, Gray. I'm like, oh, what if, and we were having a hard time fundraising. There was like, nobody wanted to fund this at the time. And so I said, well, what if we just sold some services on the side to fund our nonprofit? And so that's how it started. We actually started, our first name was A Liberare, this nonprofit name, A Liberare Design. We'll be a design agency for social good. And so that's how we got started. And um, I reached out to some friends in the States and they're like, oh, I know this guy, he needs a website or this guy just got a client and I think he needs design help every day for, a, this was back in the day, they, they needed a daily graphic for Instagram yep. with a new quote, you know, it was one of those, it was that time, you know, you, you can label it exactly. And so we were making graphics and, and just got the business going that way. And forever, it just funded our nonprofit. So we actually, our business started being owned entirely by the nonprofit. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's cool how it, all, how it all worked out. And the piece that resonates for me too is I, like, I, I love hearing, um, and I don't hold it against people who <clears throat> fundraise in more traditional ways, but I love hearing the stories of people who are driven to build something uh, missional, something mission related, and then find a creative way to fund it um, on the side and make it as self-sustaining as, you know, as, yeah. it, as it can be. Um, that, that's much more, at least for me personally, that's a more motivating route to go in school, how, how that journey's, um, that the journey has worked out for you. Um, well, that's awesome, Ryan. I really appreciate you being willing to jump on and share your story. So let me ask you this question real quickly and prep you for it, but around um, tools specifically. So from an, uh, as you guys are running the business, are there any tools? This is, I, I like to ask people this question still. Any tools that you know or that you guys are using right now that you're getting a lot of leverage out that you think might be underknown or underutilized in the agency space? Any inside tips or secret sauce you share? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is I, I need some affiliate links. They should have audible right. affiliate links. Yep. This is <laughs> um, where you need the agencyboon.com slash. Exactly. Go to all my tools here. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I love that question. I'm a tool freak. 
uh, my and, and I've realized how toxic it is for the rest of the team because I'm like, oh, let's try this, let's try this. Yep. Um, man, so a couple of digital tools. We utilize uh, Draftium, D-R-A-F-T-I-U-M. It's a tool from a group uh, that's called see, Weblium, uh, but they have Draftium, and it is an online wire um, wireframing tool for content, basically. Hmm. You can drag blocks, and you can change it. So it, it gives you black and white simple wireframes that are already built out on, the, on live on the web. Uh, it's really nice for clients to be able to visualize a real site and pull it up and for you to build it really quickly. Um, and then they actually have a tool where you can click it and it turn they'll turn it into a website, actual site for you. Um, so check out Draftium. It's a cool one. Um, another one, I think it's becoming more popular. We've been using it for years. Um, it's now called Miro, M-I-R-O. It used to be called Real-Time Board. Right. And I'm telling you, when I show that to people, they're like, this is amazing. Like, you know, and they're confused by it. I actually had a client once and she's, and I'm moving around this board. It's a giant whiteboard and I'm moving around. She's like, can you please slow down? I'm, I think I'm starting to get whiplash. I'm getting dizzy. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, um, so Miro, uh, Draftium, and obviously Loom now is a really popular one, except everyone's a little frustrated that they start to win all paid, I think, in the last week. Um, that's one I use a lot. Um, and then another one that we were really early on is Dropler, D-R-O-P-L-R. Um, and they went, I think, pretty strictly towards enterprise. I think they're having a hard time mass market, but I'm not sure why. It's, a, it's been a phenomenal tool. Um, if only they would have added the same functionality Loom had and actually embraced video, they would be killing it. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's sad to say that they didn't because I, I saw it coming for years. It's like, I can't record a video right. um, and drop it in my Slack and, and, and talk to my team, and I, I should. So Dropler, we, we have an enterprise plan with them. They're a great company. Um, uh, that's another one I would recommend. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I think those that's are awesome. the major ones for us, yeah. man. Uh, it's helpful to just hear kind of what are the, what are the tools that people are using outside of kind of the common ones that they look CRM project management, the accounting invoicing side yeah. that gets a lot of love. Uh, yep. Some of the other, especially service, more service specific um, ones don't get as much attention. So I appreciate you having yeah. something to share there. Well, Ryan, this has been really fun. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thank story. You. Um, I feel like there's a million more things we can go into, but I'm going to save that for round two. Awesome. Um, so agencyboon.com is the site. Anywhere else that we should point people to follow your journey? Um, the other one, if, if Salesforce jumps out, I have in my mind that there's a lot of creative agencies that like they hear their customers using Salesforce and they're like, oh, I don't know about that. We can help. Um, and that's Boonforce, B-O-O-N-F-O-R-C-E dot C-O. We couldn't get the dot com, of course. You know, <laughs> Boonforce dot C-O. Uh, and we can help uh, with Salesforce uh, implementations and backend uh, with you. Awesome. We'll include those in the show notes here. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks, Gray. Appreciate you guys. Hope you enjoyed that conversation between Gray and Ryan. And hey, if you're in a spot where you feel like your agency is caught in chaos, or if you kind of brought your client into the delivery operation inside your agency, it would kind of look like a messy kitchen that you didn't want them to see. That's why we're here at ZenPilot. We walk you through a process that takes you from chaos to clarity by helping you standardize your process deliverables, 
organize everything inside of a project management tool, and then train your team on how to use it. If you want to learn more about that process, head over to zenpilot.com. And another thing, if you want to learn how you can leverage ClickUp as the process management tool that drives your agency, just Google ClickUp for Agencies and you'll find a deep dive post that Gray put together on how you can leverage ClickUp in your agency. Check that out today and we'll see you on the next episode.